Hello again. Long time no speak. Sorry about the disappearing act. Work has just been absolutely nuts. And with what I do and this being a bit of a one-man mission, the podcast really is a bit of a sideline. But now that the domestic season is concluded, and unfortunately with three teams on our patch being unfortunately relegated in Sheffield Wednesday, uh, Rotherham and Sheffield United, and with two others getting so close at their respective playoffs in Chesterfield and Barnsley, this season definitely, alongside the coronavirus pandemic, has been an odd one. But it's good to see that fans are slowly but surely coming back to ground and society is getting to some relative normality. But to the here and now, and for the first episode of season two of On The Terrace, for the next few weeks we're taking a little bit of a Euro flavour. We'll be doing previews of the upcoming games and review of all the big talking points from across every single game across the championships with analysis from voices old and some new and the same old shit as before. You might even get a quiz or nine as well that you can take part in. In this first episode, Ben and I talk about their, well, his team, Doncaster Rovers, complete collapse towards the end of the season and look forward to their pastors anew under their new manager, Richie Wellens. Then we really do dive into the Euros. We speak extensively about the 26-man squad that Southgate has named for the championships, the threats that England might face and encounter across the whole championships, a bit of chat about my beloved Deutschland, uh, potential underdogs of the competition, and we give both our teams for Sunday's Galactico game versus Croatia at Wembley. Get your beers on ice, or a gin, or a wine, or whatever you want, because the Euros are finally here. We've been waiting over a year for it, but we can finally start. We are back. Um, it's been a bit of a been a bit of an odd time uh, through my job and what we're currently doing at my job. Um, it's been a bit difficult to record and edit these in line with that. It's been an emotional end. Now we're seeing fans walking back into stadiums. Um, we've come towards the end of the 2020-2021 season with a plethora of English success. So massive congratulations to Chelsea for winning the Champions League, uh, for Brentford, for Blackpool and for Morecambe for winning their respective playoffs. And I'm very, very happy to have Ben with me again to do um, to sum up more Donny's dismal end to the season is probably we'll get to that very very shortly how you doing ben you're all right i'm all right how are you i'm very very good very very good melting away in the heat but it's yep. not it's not been as bad today yesterday was damn sight horrific <laughs> for yep. us um for us who don't cope well in over about 12 degrees i'm very burnt as well but we'll uh we'll get there so before we get on to the the euro stuff which we'll get to in the second half well what can we say? When we did this the first time, Ben, it was yeah. um, high flying, um, looking upwards rather than below, and thinking a top six place was a, a, a big possibility for, for for Doncaster. How did it go so wrong? <laughs> it seemed to start before he even left. Like it obviously it must have been going on in the background because as soon as the January window finished. 
we beat Oxford and we were like, oh my God, we are going to win this bloody league this year. Like we, everything was just going so well. And then we played Sunderland away, which ironically was the, the first one we did. And after that, we just never really recovered. And once Darren Moore left, we just, that was it. Like we just, the players, specifically the young loan players, looked like they just could not give a toss. And even the, some of the like senior players, they seemed like they couldn't be bothered either. I hate the phrase, did the wheels fall off? But were the wheels already falling off or were it starting to get a little bit rickety by just, then? Or They just seemed to completely fall off. Like, have you, you, you've seen that gif, haven't you, of like a Formula One car just wheels pops off? Yeah, yeah. Literally, that's exactly what happened. The, the wheels just come off. Like, we were going at full pelt, bang, we've come off. And we just, we, we never made it to the pit stop to get going again. And by then it was too late. Because it all, it were, all, all ends up was, you were there, thereabouts, you were sort of the surprise package. You were yeah, we... plucking out wins out of nowhere. And I was always taught as a fan growing up, if you can beat the teams that are around you, yeah. or pick up points from the teams that are around you, you're going to be fairly successful. Whether you're at the bottom end of the table trying to fight for releg- uh, fight for survival, or you're at the top end of the table either fighting, because at that point you were what fourth, third, fourth in the league, yeah, um, two, three points behind the two now promoted side Hull and Peterborough, who end up running away with it in the end anyway. Like you mentioned, some of the lone players, so. Were there any sort of players that were unbelievable beforehand and then were just drastically awful afterwards, or were they just, or was it just a progression of just we can't be bothered anymore? I think regressed. Obviously, the whole team regressed anyway. But players like players like Taylor Rich from Brighton, even though he did sometimes pop in with goals towards the end of the season, anyway, he was. He was full of confidence, everything like he was always wanting the ball, he wasn't afraid to shoot. And once Morrow left, he sort of became that player who like I can't be bothered, I'm kinda of just the season to 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 move. And when we played Charlton on Sky, all of a sudden he was turning up, he was like, Yeah, you're playing for a move here, aren't you? Yeah. Well he's either yeah, because he's not gonna play his way into Brighton's no. uh, their plans anytime soon. Um and probably won't even feature for. I, I, I've seen him play a couple of times, and he, he looked fairly decent. Like the, you, you referenced the uh, the Charlton game, I remember watching that and thinking he was okay. Um, nothing didn't set the world alight. No, but was was fairly good at that level and did everything that Doncaster did well. Went through him really. That Charlton game from the games I'd, I'd seen beforehand, it was there was something not there. And it took yeah. me, and I, surely a change of manager can't have that effect. Obviously, as fans, we don't know what's going on on the inside. But I know I've spoken about this before. It's like we let our our best managers to ever grace in my generation, anyway, to grace S two, just walked out of the club. And I was talking to to Taylor and Luke about this when we play golf, and. Yeah. We, we said that what's going on behind the scenes, we have no idea about. And this is every single football club. 
Yeah. And no matter how successful you are, there's always something, there's a bit of discontent. Managers don't leave for no reason. They always state a reason, whether it be personal reasons, whether it be um, as open as Chris Wilder was about the, the lack of backing. Mm. Surely a manager can't have that much effect. Surely there's something else going on or work was going on, whether it be money, whether it be stability for next season. What I, I don't know, what, what, how do you see it from what, what Moro wanted? Well, what Darren Moore is good at, he is a good coach. Like, he is a very good coach. And, yeah, the young players, he was getting the best out of them. And from what we hear from, like, supposed inside sources, it was almost a bit too laid back and almost allowed the youngsters to do what they want. Yeah. And in some cases, it, it probably didn't, it probably wasn't a bad thing because on the pitch they were producing. But once he'd left and Butts took over, obviously Butts would, will have a different mentality to, to tomorrow. And he's, because he, he, he is one of ours. He obviously, he's been at the club for a long time. And, Clearly, he just he wasn't the one to get get carry on like get it out of these young players. Well, yeah, he was he was he was dealt a bonfire and given a small fire extinguisher, weren't he? It was yeah. It was it was already like like you go back to your gif, like yeah. you, you, your cars are already burning off. Your engineers are in the in the pit ready to start it, and Andy Butler's at the centre of that, and he's got no managerial experiences. Yes, he's probably done his his coaching badges, but you can be yeah, an experienced you can be an experienced head in the dressing room. But it doesn't mm. say you're ready for management. And Andy Butler, I guarantee, at the start of the season, says if somebody thrust me into management, would he have took it? Yeah, he'd have said yeah, but it'd have been a challenge. Yeah, they, they probably should have done what they did at United, to be fair, and just give it to the under 23s coach and just let him be the number two. So let him still obviously play, but in rather than give Butler that title of manager or interim manager or whatever they want to call it. Yeah bring the under-23s coach or whatever level it is it, where I'm presuming they play at under-23s level or under-18s, no matter what the level, promote them for the time being and do what they did. As much as I, I'm glad that Paul Heckingbottom's not got the job, do what they did and, and, and getting Jason Tyndall on side mm. was the coaching aspect of it. So they could do it together and that means that Andy Butler could get that experience, but obviously the Don, I'm not on the Doncaster Rovers board. So it's it is it is awfully difficult because, like you say, I, I do I do agree. From the times I have watched Donny, it was like before Christmas. You probably benefited from the fans not being there because, as much as Doncaster is a small crowd, it's a very passionate crowd. Yeah. Um. And if it's not going so, if it's going well, it's the best place to play. If it's not going so well, it can be the worst. Yeah, it's just <laughs> moans and groans of the crowd. I don't think I don't think the players missed it very much. No, I don't think any player. In that, aspect. In that maybe, aspect, maybe the second half of the season it kicked them up the ass, but it is what it is, isn't it? Like, if... yeah, there is that. There is that that aspect, but it's it's how the season went, and you you just about clung on to the the bottom end of mid table towards the end, and it's sort of it was four, very four. Cool. Yeah, it, it, it was. It's sort of the wheels are completely falling off, and you, you you can't really say that anybody bottled it because there was you weren't you were in the ascendancy, but it wasn't like it was 
unlike Mansfield a few years ago, or you a few years before that, where you came third in a one-horse race. It wasn't yeah. that sort of aspect, but it was critically disappointing to see you get, well, essentially from away days at Oxford where you're picking up vital points to getting, well, mullered pretty much every week and having Peterborough last game at season. And even, even teams that are in and around you just giving you a, a small pace. I know... Fleetwood isn't exactly the biggest, best stomping ground for Donny, Paul. No. Um, you, you seemed very abject. But the season was about to end. And we'd spoken about for an eternity that there was there was one name that just kept coming up for the job all the time. Yeah. And that was Richie Wellens. And I, I'm, I don't pat myself on the back very often, but I said once Darren Moore left, that yeah. if Richie Wellens becomes available, he will walk, he'll be a shoo-in. Yeah. He, took, he took his time, but it happened. And he brought yeah. um, Noel Hunt with him, um, ex-Reading, Southend, few other clubs, but not notably for being in that Reading side that got promoted with us in 2007. What's the feeling amongst, well, from you, and especially you and your dad, but what's the feeling amongst the sort of the Donny contingent that they've, with the appointment of Richie Wallace? Because I've seen mixed. Well, obviously, some are saying oh, sentimental values, like, oh, he's he was a great player for us. It's a bit of a cheap option kind of thing, but he does have a promotion on his CV, for starters. He does. He got Swindon promoted. He won the Papa John's Trophy with Salford. That, for me, is the best the best thing you could ask for. Well, as, 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 much, as, we, as much as we take the piss out of that stupid thing, for the yeah. League One and League Two clubs... I was taking the piss as well. <laughs> yeah. Before, before the League One and League Two clubs, yeah, it's a, it's a shy competition, but if you get to them latter stages... It's a trophy. Mm. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Like people still count. What is it called? The Intertoto Cup as a yeah. trophy on the CV. That I don't even know. That it's, I don't think it even does exist anymore. But no. it's it's still credibility. It's finals experience. It's taking the team you are managing down to, well, Wembley and 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 beating and beating a side in the what? league above. Yeah. <laughs> so that's not to be sniffed at. Got a prime example of a club that won at Wembley. Arrogate Town. Exactly. Apps. A trophy's a trophy. Exactly. A year late, albeit, but who cares? They've got the trophy. Exactly. Yeah, they might have only held it for about two weeks, but... Doesn't matter. <laughs> Wins can, a win. He can only for two minutes. Yeah. Just don't do what Cesar Aspilicueta did and nearly drop the Champions League trophy. So the feeling is relatively positive then, I'm gathering. I think it is a positive thing because when, when, he, when you listen to him talk... He, he does come across as someone who will not take any shit. Oh, he's so front-footed, isn't he? Yeah, I don't, he will I don't... just say it as it is. And we probably need that because we are off, We are usually too nice. And if you're too nice, you know, you know what it's like. If you're too nice, you're, you're going to get walked over. And I think having his mentality might just be the difference for us. Absolutely, but... This is probably Darren Moore's um, the anomaly here that he knows the club inside out anyway from yeah. just walking in the door. He knows the the fabric of the club and probably most of the members of staff, like the behind the scene, like the kit people and the physios and the medical staff and whoever else, are still the same when he was a player. And you're absolutely spot on. He's so front footed. You can imagine him, can't you? He does everything. He's like everything's got all passion in him. I don't yeah. know if that's the because he's. A Mancunian, or is that because it's just how he was as a he player? He was like that as a player, though. Like, he'd get stuck in, and he'd shout and ball at anyone. 
he was he was basically another captain. But he obviously he fell out with a lot of people because he was just all he wanted was to win. Like he didn't really care if he upset someone, as long as they won. That that's all that mattered to him. But is is that like you said? Is that what Donny need? Yeah, I think it is because. As much as I don't particularly like the bloke anymore, Grant McCann was a bit like that. He he was straight up honest, like gritty, nasty little shit. But we got in the playoffs under him, and we weren't a nice team to play against. No, I think we got the most yellow cards, and when when he was manager, I think he got the most yellow last cards. Already. Last season, we I don't think we got a single red. So no. That just dep- that just depends on styles. Would you sacrifice a little bit of the Donny and Swansea have always been put in the same category as the sort of they play pretty intricate tiki taka football. I don't know when we last last played that to be honest. <laughs> Probably, but everybody seems to. I always remember like first first sort of things I think about when I think about Doncaster Rovers is the Sean O'Driscoll era. You know that that mm. sort of style of play when you were highly effective. Yeah. Would you sacrifice a bit of that for a bit more aggression, a bit more bite? That uh, that is exactly what we were like under McCann. Yeah. The only problem with McCann is we couldn't defend, like set set pieces and everything. We were letting them in all all the time. Yeah. But at least with Darren Moore was we were actually a bit better, like defensively. We didn't really concede from set pieces that much, mm. and we were dangerous. We were quite a clinical team as well. Like, if we got a chance, we'd we'd take it. Yeah, because and, like when when I was doing my research into like Richie Wellens, like a lot of people like from the four clubs he's managed. So Oldham to begin with, which was a, a shoe in, um, mm. Swindon and and Salford and obviously now Donny, they've all sort of said the same thing. Like that he uses massive sense of influence from his younger days at Man United. And mm. that he cites like Sir Alex Ferguson is the reason he plays his football like he does. Yeah, and he he does favour attacking football, but a lot of it does go through the air. Yeah. So you could see now, I could envisage a, a player. I know you've, I know you don't like him, but Bogle liked that as a focal point because mm. every club he's managed, as Swindon is the best example of this. He's got focal points. Well, it's winning. Yeah. He had two focal points who just could not stop scoring um, in Jerry Yates and, and Owen Doyle. But it's I can just all I can see is that ferocious intensity yeah. that Richie Wellens has. I, I watched that playoff final, eh, not playoff final, the Papa John's Trophy final, um, and they were Salford were on, like it was just like a bunch of fireflies, effective fireflies. Yeah, um, and him getting sacked. Well, no, he left by mutual consent, didn't he? Um, I straight so, yeah. straight after the final was like a bizarre decision. It was a bizarre decision to go there anyway. Yeah. Because he, he had just taken... Sw- I know they went up by um, points per game, but they were by far the best side in that league. Yeah. And Swindon have just depleted since then. Obviously, you're going through another another set of managers like with John Sheridan and yeah. and all that. But I, I definitely think that that's what Donny need. Just need a fucking kick up the arse. Yeah, just exactly what we need, and I think a lot of a lot of the fans are encouraged in a way because we just need a bit of a bit of bite and a bit of urgency and want to win at all costs. That, that's what we need because 
like I said earlier, you don't get anywhere by being a nice team. No. Would you would you sacrifice maybe a few more red cards for a few more scrappy one nil wins because it's points Absol- on the board? Absolutely. I'll take the points. Yeah. Doesn't matter how you get them as long as you get them legitimately. If Bogle gets sent off, then that's hallelujah for me. So <laughs> I, I didn't put this in the agenda for a reason because I thought, well, let's see what you've been thinking about off top of your head. So where where do you think are your well, I'll, I'll, I'll do it as a two-prong question. What's the two positions that you need to strengthen in the most? And have you got any names that have been... Just sort two. Of, just two. Just the, the top whole, two. The whole frigging squad. Uh, yeah, whole frigging... <laughs> yeah, I, I know what I'm probably going to come up with, but sort of if you could pick um, two, two positions that need strengthening, like as a, a top priority, like alarm, alarm, alarm. And have you got any names that have been floated about on, on Danny Forums? Have there been any names that have cropped up? Or... <laughs> Do you know what I said? I said this to you on through messages. Since they've actually been appointed, I've not heard any rumours whatsoever. Have you not? No. To be fair, the players are they will be either away or on holiday. Yeah, um, I, I am hoping that it's just behind the scenes, and they are. I'm I'm pretty sure they'll be they'll be looking around regardless. But like, there's there's still like contracts to sort out. With I think Reese James is probably going to go. I think out of all the players, he's probably the one who probably deserves a better move. But um, I, I was I was reading actually in the in the Donny Free Press. Hmm. It was just this morning. Yeah, it was this morning that basically Reese James has told Donny that if he'll only reject a new contract unless a championship club comes in for him. Yeah. So there is an offer on the table. Yeah. And he's basically waiting well, if a championship come comes in, I'll turn it down and go to the championship club, which I can't yeah. fault him for. No, I don't it... blame him either, because he probably like I said, he's probably the well, one player who probably deserves a crack at the championship. Who who else who else is in there? Obviously Halliday's in there, isn't he? He's he's, he's apparently going to. I I'd say we probably do need another right back. Yeah. Because we're playing Joe Wright at right back and he's a centre half and he's gonna get done all the time for pace. So yeah, I have a right back. We probably do need a, an older keeper just to push Louis Jones a little bit, mm-hmm. but that's not really a priority. I think we, I think one of the main ones is a centre mid to re, sort of replace Ben Whiteman because when we lost him, as much as like Matt Smith did well and Bostock, completely forgot about him. He was all right, but. He was one of those. Does he need a run of games to get properly fit? But at if, times, he, I couldn't really work out if he was the, if he was the right sort of player for us. But we got him for we got him for next year, so we'll see. But I mean, obviously, we still haven't really re- replaced Marquis. <laughs> but no, you haven't. Berry's done all right, but he's not. He's not a goal scorer like Marquis. Like he, he does work hard and he his positioning and everything's quite good. But I think if if we want to like challenge for the playoffs properly and not, you know. Um got anyone in, got we anyone do need in a mind. bit more firepower, but got anyone in mind that you might like to see come through the door that you've seen over the last sort of year, two years that might Stre- um, uh, strengthen. I know we've spoken a lot about. Can we have Billy back? 
that's exactly where I was about to go. Like, <laughs> it's like if 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 we if we want if we would have stayed up in the Premier League, mm. it probably could have been a viable option. He'll for... be in the Championship, surely. Yeah, he's he's gonna be. He's mm. most probably he's probably mm, uh, third striker next year, yeah. possibly. We've got him for another year, so. Um, I mean, if you want to give him away, pass him over. We will it, take him because he'll be actually, he'll be welcome I, with open arms. I'd like to see Donny take a risk and delve into League Two and try and bring someone who was good last season up, or would you like to go into the Championship and try and coax somebody down, or even go to a Premier League club and bring, like Lincoln did with Morgan Rogers, for instance, and bring them in and see what they can do and. Yeah, and go from there. There's obviously a variety of issues with that, because he's obviously not your player. I don't know. What do you think? I really don't know, because nothing's been said, and no one really jumps into my head like like a realistic target kind of thing. The first striker that comes into my head as a goal scorer is Paul Mullin at Cambridge. Yeah, I was thinking Paul Mullin, but he'll probably end up staying with Cambridge because they're in League One too. So. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, we've got a penalty taker there if, if, we, if that ever happens. Yeah, but you didn't get any penalties last season, so not many anyway. No, I, my, my, and the, the one who you'd usually take them, he, he pissed off to uh, Preston. He, <laughs> he, he, he did sort off. But he, you're looking at that, um, another one that's just popped into my head. I, I know Blades were with him a couple of more. First season back at Championship, maybe top end, uh, was Jamil Matt when mm. he was at either Fleetwood or Blackpool. I know he's played for both. I think he was still at Fleetwood then. Um, yeah. he's, he's at Forest Green. There's that. Um, I don't know what his first name is. That Jay at Exeter. He got a fair few last year. But the the, the first one that this is gonna the the first. I, what you call him the goal scorer? Would you take a punt on someone like Jack Muldoon? Would 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 a club I, like Donny do that? I don't think we would. No. It'd be it'd be good to see Muldoon at a higher level. It'd be good, but I don't, I don't think. I don't think we would. No, fifteen goals is a essentially a ten. I know he played a lot of last season up front, but he he was he was pretty good. The last thing on on Donny really, and he's, this is a Richie Wellen centre question. He's not been in management that long, but Donny mm. is his fourth club, and yeah. he left Swindon in very bizarre circumstances. Yeah, just like Darren Moore did previously. Does that concern you or the fan base? at all or is it just sort of we've got to live in the present not worry about what could happen in the future I think the way that he talks he genuinely does he says he's not really had a proper chance to settle down and build his own team properly I mean Swindon's probably the best he got but I don't, was it, it was probably a year at best at Swindon because he was at Oldham before and it, I think by the sounds of it he just wants to settle down and like try to do a long-term project but then again we probably thought that we're Darren Moore we probably thought that we're Grant McCann it if it's that it's just the case like if we do really well a, a manager like a club in the championship might think he's doing all right we'll take him yeah you're right if 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 a bigger team starts falling down if say Derby for instance yeah. continue on what they're doing and they sack Wayne Rooney well who says if Donny are in the top six that they don't go to Doncaster and say right we'll have Richie Wellens every single manager no matter what if they're like Martin Allen where they just kept going back like a boomerang back to Barney yeah. or um, it doesn't matter if they've been there once before or six times before you've got to give them a chance 
Yeah. Um, to instill his own ideas in. I didn't expect him to bring Nolan in. That, that that did shock me a little bit. Like it was something I didn't expect. I think they've been friends for quite a while, and just it was one of those where they just they just got on and they're sort of on the same wavelength. I think by sounds of it, he's more of like arm round the shoulder kind of guy, yeah. whereas Wellens will be the disciplinarian, straight in, straight in, straight in your face kind of thing. Yeah. So in in hindsight, that's probably a good balance to have, but we'll see, won't we? We we need a we need a very busy summer, and there's still a lot of time. So yeah, we'll is. just see, won't we? It's we're not. I'm not. You know, you know, as a Donny fan, not really expecting a lot anyway. Because <laughs> if you get your hopes up, you'll only get hurt. <laughs> that's very true. But you don't expect, like, if, if you'd say to sort of not sort of people outside the the Doncaster realm or the, the Yorkshire realm, you'd say that, what, Doncaster are what, a top-end league one side, maybe bottom-end championship? Mm. Um, and if you're flying in mid-table in championship, that's massively overachieving. So if, if Richie Wellens can sustain Donny's push into the top 10 for next season, surely that's successful. It's in- encouraging. Yeah, it'd be, exactly. a, it'd be a good start. It's better than this season. Progress is progress, I suppose. But on it, the only problem is football's turned into that such of a game now. You lose four games and you, you, your job's yeah. online. It's, it's it's absolutely ridiculous. And Richie Wallace has definitely got to um, he's definitely got to spend whatever money he has very wisely, um, yeah. because I don't imagine there's going to be a vast amount of. It's not no. exactly. I know Doncaster's a very very well run club, but it's not like they've got disposable income coming out of their ears. So he's no. got to spend whatever money. He's just got to make use of what's already there. And if yeah. you can keep players like Reese James, um, and you're going to obviously have to find a replacement for Coppinger in some way, not just yeah. on the pitch, but off it as well. He will be in the background. Massive. But he's, he's not going to be on the pitch, so... Yeah. That's, that's a massive hole to fill. It is. It's a, it's a huge, huge hole to fill. But we will come back to that probably when we do our preview for the season when the fixtures are out and hopefully um, Donny do do some transfer business. I was actually reading the same article again. I actually went to the bottom. I didn't read the whole thing. And it actually says Richie Wellens is due back off holiday this weekend. Yeah. So deals aren't expected to be concluded towards, towards the middle and the end of the month. The benefit of being in League One is that you don't have many players, or if any, I know some clubs in that league do have players away on international duty in the European Championships, especially for the smaller countries. Um, but the benefit is there's no friendlies, so you've not got your um, your lesser well-known players like flying out to the, a lot of League One players like play the Jamaican players or the Dominican Republic or the Costa Rican or whoever. Yeah. They, t- they tend to play in the lower echelons of whatever league they're in, so they're not like flying out and coming back and... At least you've got once the players are back off holiday and straight into pre-season training, then you can start of start doing your deals. Um, because you're right, Donny do need a busy summer, and I would love to give you Billy, but I think we'll need him next year. But moving away from uh, from Donny and from from Sheffield United, I wanted to talk genuinely with you because you're not just a, a a Donny fan, and you're a you're a football fan in general, and you watch a lot of football in the football league. The manager merry-go-round is on hyper speed. Yeah. Um. Even as even as down to to today, with I, I I don't even understand Derek Adams, um, mm. going to Bradford, getting more can promoted and dropping down the league to Bradford. Bradford is a, a monumental club in that league. 
Brought Mickey Mellon being back at Tranmere, Mark Cooper, now at Barrow, Rob Edwards at Forest Green Rovers. Um, obviously, Mick Clusterham, Slavica Kanovic at now Sheffield United. Uh, John McGreal at Swindon. Kenny Jacket, who seems to be managing, he's been managing for uh, about a century, is it? Leighton Oriented. Matty Taylor at at Walsall, and obviously speaking about Richie Wellens earlier. So the silly mm. season's already started with that seven appointments there. But what I wanted to get your thoughts on, Ben, is moving into into the Premier League because currently we have three vacancies in yeah. in Everton with Carlo Ancelotti going back to Real Madrid uh, Crystal Palace with Roy Hodgson um, effectively retiring and leaving his boyhood club yeah. um, Spurs yeah Ryan Mason is still there but they are looking at a, a permanent choice and Wolverhampton Wanderers with Nuno Espirito Santo leaving so mm. I just wanted to really get your thoughts on who next for any of those clubs? Who's who's the right options? Oh, if there are any right options for them. Well, aren't Tottenham looking at Conte and Pochettino again or something? Yeah. But I don't know with Spurs because is Harry Kane going to... Is it probably going to depend on whether Harry Kane stays or not? Because I think it's about time he he, he left. If he, if he really wants to win trophies, he has... As much as he I don't mind, he has to go. As much as I don't yeah. mind Tottenham as a football club, they have this brand swanking new stadium, but they've been under they've underachieved, yeah, massively with the squad of players they've got. And if Harry Kane wants to win trophies, he's going to have to leave. He will, and I do like Harry Kane. I, I do really, I do really want him to succeed in his career, and I think the only way he's going to do that is by going elsewhere. But where he probably, he probably will end up at Man City. Yeah, that was my next question. Where which is, is elsewhere? Ridiculously boring because <laughs> they're already ridiculous as they are, even though they can't win the Champions League. <laughs> which is their which is their ultimate game. No, well, <laughs> even to sum that up, they can't beat Chelsea. That's their problem. Do you know what though? I actually knew Chelsea would win because absolutely. I just fancied them, and when I watched the first half, because. I only watched the first half. They were running rings around City, so it seems to be Chelsea just that that team that City just can't beat properly. Yeah. It's like you, like you and Fleetwood or Blackpool, yeah. either one of those. But would Pochett- would would Pochettino just going back to Poch? I heard a um, I don't know who it was. I I, I, I was just sort of just listening to the radio not so long ago. It might have been a pod actually. No, it was on the radio that going back for Poch now would be a backward step. Hmm. Because it's trying to sort of recreate something that they had. And that was the best that Spurs had ever played under Poch, getting to a Champions League final and getting demolished. I know it was a a goal in the first minute that basically set the tone for the game, but they had 90-plus minutes to try and rectify that and came nowhere near. It's almost like going back to an ex-girlfriend kind of thing. Like They had to go their own separate ways for a obvious reasons and if you go back it's just not going to be the same as it was before so I don't think it's really worth them doing it no I, I would probably if I was Tottenham I would probably go for someone like um, Antonio Conte I wouldn't even mind seeing Nuno there uh, yeah absolutely well he's I, he's I, actually, been... I actually think Nuno would probably do well at Everton he, he, he will go to one of those yeah. I, I personally thought that um, that Nuno would go back to Spain or back to Portugal 
to do it that mm. way. But there's three. Like, if you got the Spurs job, that sorry for offending the Wolverhampton Wanderers supporters. That's one step up from Wolves. Yeah. Um, and as much as Wolves have had a quite a poor season, what the what Nuno plus the the Chinese money did there, pff, Christ, they were scary. Yeah. They are scary. They still scare yeah. me now. I think injuries hurt them, especially the injury to Jimenez. But uh, with Nuno, I, I I don't think Crystal Palace is probably... I think that would be a step back for him. For me, I, I'm sorry to say this, but as soon as Hodgson left, I thought Palace will be in trouble next year. Well, Palace fans have been moaning about him for forever. Yeah. Like, they, they, they moan about his... His style of football, but he was he's successful. Kept he's kept him up. Be if, careful what you wish for, kind of thing. Correct. Like Crystal Palace is a football club, are never going to challenge for the European places. No. That's that's not their expectation. Their expectation is to be a bit like Bonley, sustainable, self-funding, a good club, a good club with passionate support, mm. um, and to be a Premier League side and not be and just sit in that sort of no man's land. Sort yeah. of between, sort of nice and comfortably, sort of twelve points above safety, but also twelve points away from European places. Sort of that sort of area of the league. And if any Crystal Palace fan, they might see that as unambitious, but for them yeah. that's a massive step because they are. At, for me, when I was growing up, Crystal Palace were always a team we played in the Championship. Yeah, they were for me as well. We so, always used to beat them. Yeah, so did we. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I agree with the Nuno thing with it going um, would be a step backwards. And I think if Nuno did go to Spurs or Everton, I think he'd, he'd definitely change the aspect. But to see Antonio Conte back in the Premier League, what a guy he is. Yeah. What a guy. His interview, one of his interviews, that either the, it was either after Inter had won Serie A or before. He, he's, a, he's, a, he's a comedian. Yeah. He's, a, he's absolutely brilliant. And there's not enough characters in English football, to be fair, because obviously there's Warnock and um, Dykes is a bit of a character too. Yeah, you do need a bit of a bit of character, and it when you've got a character, it does lift spirits a little bit. You can see why Warnock gets teams promoted because there's obviously something about him. I know, yeah. I know, Warnock and Spurs is <laughs> a bit left field, but. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, I think in in order character, to yeah, players to, will bounce off a character. Yeah, he's only problem is with Conte is is his record's phenomenal. Like mm. his 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 record, right? Like wherever he's been, he's had success. Like at Chelsea, he had success, um, mm. and he was he was excellent. But I I do think Antonio Conte is probably the best the better option. Um, than both Mauricio Pochettino, yeah, and 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 Nuno, but even I'm just looking at the odds now. He, he, Nuno's not even on the the Spurs list, not even mm. a, a, at all. Like the play, the the people that are on it, obviously Mauricio Pochettino, uh, Roberto Martinez at twenties, Brendan Rodgers, yeah. Eddie Howe, Eric Ten Hag, who's I think he's the Ajax manager, Graham Potter, Jurgen Klinsmann. I think he's a good manager that Potter. I can't but... st- I can't stick him. I. I 
but the, I just, the football they play at Brighton is is actually quite good. It's good. The only problem with Brighton is that they don't have a striker. Uh, uh, well, if they yeah. had a striker, they'd have. Well, yeah, there's quite a few. <laughs> but an interesting name that um, has been thrown up. Well, there's two I want to throw at you for the specifically for the Everton. Well, three actually for the Everton job. What? <laughs> I'll I'll do the I'll I'll do the funny one last. But the three I, the three I want to throw at you. The first one is David Moyes. Phenomenal season at West Ham. I think he's better off staying at West Ham. I agree. Yeah. Andrea Perlo has mm. skyrocketed up the list. Mm. And the last one is Steven Gerrard. Would Gerrard be a good fit at Everton, despite his connections with the red half of the city? I, I don't know. Like, obviously, would, would Everton fans be happy with that? I don't think Everton fans would care. No. I, I, I honestly don't think I, I don't think they would, would care look oh, a few would obviously but that rivalry between Liverpool and Everton it's not like any other city rivalry no, I, don't, I don't think it's that vicious no like as a city they are a little they're quite united in a way uh, yeah they, obviously they, when they play each other they want to beat each other but yeah I don't think there's any any viciousness between it seems them. a bit more friendly yeah, because if if you ask Liverpool, if you ask Everton fans, their derby is Liverpool, obviously, because Everton for a very very long time have been always behind yeah. Liverpool. But if you ask quite a few diehard Liverpool fans, they would discount. The, it's called the friendly derby for a reason. Yeah. Uh, there's no real animosity. Yeah, there'll be the the knobs that will go for the violence, but they'll see their mm-hmm. derby as Man United. Well, yeah, because history. Yeah, and history, isn't it? Fine out for titles. And it's... And, it's just how it is. Like the fans hate each other. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like it's almost like Man United and Man City. Is are Man United really that bothered by City? It's yeah. It's probably a little bit more tense than it is now. Maybe especially, new, especially now. Like maybe can, now, but I don't think it even comes close to the rivalry with Liverpool. No, no. I don't think I don't think many rivalries do. To be fair, I no. can without being biased. Like I can. There's only. But apart from Man United, Liverpool, there's there's not many that are above it. There's the time the time weird derby, Sunderland Newcastle, mm. um, the old firm. That's that's probably the worst of them all. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> o- o- on the pitch, it's probably one of the worst games you'll ever watch. But like off it, like if the supporters in the ground is, it looks insane. And apart from them two, um, there's no more like more ma- like huge. Significant derbies than that, no, not that I can I, I, that I can think of, but I definitely do think that if Nuno does go to Everton, which I do really hope for, um, I think I think he'd suit Everton more than Tottenham in Crystal Palace. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. Um, what about for the Palace? What about for the Palace job then? Like who who we who could we sort of touting for that? I, I I know one name that has been been thrown about was Chris Wilder to begin with. But he looks like he's um, favourite for West Brom job. I feel um, like a manager that would probably suit someone like Palace is probably Deitch, but yeah, he, he's one of those. He, he's you only really know him at Burnley, and mm. I mean, he'd keep him up. He'd keep him up, but well, the it. Palace want more than that. <sighs> Without talking to a Crystal I mean, Palace what, fan, what, I, I don't what, know any. So, what are the odds? 
looking like. So the odds are Nuno is favourite uh, to yeah. uh, thirteen to eight. These, by the way, are like, uh, correct at the time recording. Uh, Steve Cooper, two to one, mm-hmm. uh, Swansea. Uh, Eddie Howe, four to one. Uh, Sean Dyche that wouldn't be a bad fit, maybe. Yeah, he don't want to venture too far north the M25, so he's a southern boy, aren't he? Yeah, that's why we're never in contention. I reckon if like the Brighton or Southampton job came up, he'd be straight there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, maybe not Southampton, but yeah, maybe not. Uh, Deitch six to one. This one's interesting. Valerian Ishmael at nine to one from Barnsley. So a bit of a, a low. I mean, it, it'd be a gamble, but he did really well with a a Barnsley side that usually struggles. Yeah. I, well, I, say, it, I say he did well. He, he did fucking amazing. <laughs> he did. <laughs> you, you can't imagine, right? You, you'd ask especially uh, a couple of like uh, I work in Barnsley, and we've got a, a mutual. Well, we've got a friend who's a a diehard, a diehard Barnsley fan. If you'd have told her last season, oh yeah, Jess, you're gonna um, you're gonna finish, you're gonna survive at last state of the season, but next season you're gonna comfortably finish in the top six. Yeah. Should have told you to off off your pop. Yeah. She she'd have she'd have snapped your hand off and um, yeah. they were they went well, essentially hundred and eighty minutes away from potentially getting to a a playoff final. To be fair, yeah. they wouldn't have beaten Brentford on the day anyway. No, yeah. not a cat's hoping now. And Brentford were the team I expected to get knocked out of the semi final. So what do I fucking know? Yeah. <laughs> um, I think Valerian Ishmael would definitely be a gamble, but it'd be it'd be an appointment I'd like to see. Um, yeah. I'd like to see him take that step up to the Premier League. Yeah. Um, but I also hope, with the other hand, that he stays at Barnsley next season because I think there'll be a force again um, if they I, manage. I would prefer he stayed at Barnsley. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think Barnsley, are like slightly, they're obviously a bigger club than us, but I feel like they fall in the same pair of shoes where if sort of bigger clubs will look at their manager and think, Get him top of the list. Yeah, tie him to a big contract. Yeah. You're gonna have to be. Well, the thing is though, Barnsley are like one of the clubs that I know they did make a profit last financial year, but didn't they announce profit uh, like losses of very little compared to what you would as a football club, even yeah. with the pandemic. They're a very very well run football club, very mm. very well run, and yeah. slightly envious of that. I never thought I'd say that as a blade. I'm by envious of Barnsley. I would say they're, they're just a larger version of sort of us and Rotherham, where we just sort of steadily run clubs. But they've obviously got they've got a very good youth system as well. They have they've got very good young players. They have indeed. Yeah, they they're very deserving of. Yeah. Like last season, last season was not a fluke for no. them. Um, it was just, it was obviously a massive surprise because I had them to get relegated. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. But what the fuck do I know? If you want me to be honest, I don't really give a shit about Crystal Palace. <laughs> <laughs> no, neither do I, but it, they they are a club that are, they, they're the stepping stone in the Premier League, aren't they? I, th- I think the logical move for that will be... I think Steve Cooper would be a, a good shout. I don't think it'd be a bad shout, no. Um, but I, I, with him being in employment, I think Eddie Howe will be the option they end up going for. Yeah. I'm pointing that out. Yeah, I'm not not saying it's going to happen, but I think, I think to tempt Sean Dyche down from Burnley, he's been there what six, seven years now, maybe even longer than that. 
I don't think. I don't think so. No. no. If Bailey had been relegated, for yeah. instance, then it would have been a viable option. Um, I honestly thought that was Chris Wilder's job all over. I thought he did great at Crystal Palace, but he's the favourite West Brom, isn't he? He's favourite for the West Brom job. Yeah. So, which is where I didn't want him to go, but by the by, the past is the past. I thought he'd probably, I thought he probably might have got a Premier League job, but he deserves it. He definitely yeah. is. I, to be fair, I reckon, I reckon if Steve Bruce left Newcastle, he'd probably go there. He took the words straight out of my mouth. If Steve Bruce had been sacked, there you go. It'd have been hand in glove. No problem. And I wouldn't have had no complaints with that whatsoever. A new feature for On the Terrace, and we only sort of get this um, once every four years, normally, um, pandemic aside. But this summer finally sees Euro 2020. And the original plan for Euro 2020 was a variety of countries would host it. And people from said countries would be flying to places like Baku in Azerbaijan and Rome in Italy. And, and also to a lot of games would have been played at Wembley to go and watch their countries that had qualified. Um, to play in uh, a prestigious competition. And I actually prefer, don't know about you, Ben, um, the European Championships over the World Cup. I, I, I don't know why. I just I just always have. No. And no. Europe is, the, <laughs> for me, the, ho the home of football. Um, just to give you a little bit of a pro quo, I come at this not as an England fan. Uh, so for anybody yeah. that doesn't know, I don't support England. Uh, I watch England happily, and I'll go with my mates to the pub and watch England play, but I won't actively support them. I, through my family connections, are a Germany fan. So I come at this from an outsider's perspective looking in. Um, and compared to Ben, because we actually had a conversation of this before we started, yeah. I am absolutely buzzing for the European Championships, but Ben, you are not so buzzing. No. I'd... Usually with international tournaments, like you, there's, there's a little buzz, like there's excitement, like there's so many games to watch and a lot of the times there are some brilliant football matches. But with sort of the last year and not really being able to go to any games, like, I just don't have the buzz this time. And I don't think it helps that the the British media do overhype England a lot. And mentally, I'm like, I can't be, I can't be bothered. I just want August to, to come round and we get back to... Um, to club football and the new season where I can be back in ground. And this particular tournament, I obviously I want England to do well, but in theory, I really couldn't give a shit. No matter if Ben's buzzing or I'm not, we are a week away. Um, yeah. And England do play quite late. And is it Italy, Turkey is the first game, isn't it, on the Friday in Rome? Yeah. I think that's the first game. Um, and uh, do you know what? Nah, uh, Italy have been one of. Um, one of those, <laughs> one of those countries that have had so many great players, but have not qualified for recent tournaments. No. Um, but focus, and we'll focus on. We'll we'll talk about Italy later. Um, but focusing on England, the twenty-six man squad is now is now announced. Um, as a, a an England fan, I know you're not particularly fond of the international games. Is that a, a squad to be excited about? I think in terms of like the youth players and specifically the attacking players it is quite an exciting looking team my only issue is behind the attackers 
I just don't I don't trust a lot of those players. Like I don't even know if we've got a I don't really know about the goalkeeper. I think left back's nailed on. I think Luke Shaw's gonna play there. Yeah. Uh, it is um, it, looking like it and as I yeah, I Luke Shaw's had the season of his life at Man mm. United this year. He's been he's been excellent. And the two games they played against, as much as we we did beat Man United away, um in the in the in the home game, Luke Shaw was outstanding from minute one to minute ninety-three. Outstanding. Yeah. And I've always been quite a critic of Luke Shaw because he has the same problem as Jack Wilshire. Yeah. He's just he's just made of glass. And yeah. he, he once he gets injured, it's not like a slight niggle. It's it's, it's a long it's a injury. Bad one. It's yeah. a bad one. But I agree, I think that position's nailed on. Absolutely. I think that position is his. As well as Chilwell has done at the end of the season. He's he's a good alternative, I'd say. Yeah, I agree. Obviously, he's not he's not had the season Luke Shaw's had, but he's solid. Yeah, he's a good backup, I think. The centre arse. Um, I know John Stones had a great season alongside Ruben Diaz, but and he's got an error in him. He, he needs the right partner, and Ruben yeah. Diaz has probably made and, John Stones probably. I'm not saying be better, like look better than he is. Yeah, but, but he's, he's thrived off him. Yeah, I absolutely. Think. I don't know if Harry Maguire's fit or not. Well, that's that's the question. Mm. Uh, I was he to be a liability as well. He has been at point. He has been at points this year. I was actually listening to Five Live uh, yesterday mm. when the squad announcement was well, no, day before yesterday uh, when the squad and it was finally like cemented the twenty six, and mm. um, the the chief commentator on Five Live he basically said that well, there's two options with Maguire. He's either fit from the start. Or yeah. he's going to be fit, like going towards the latter end of the group stages, mm. and or um, sort of there on in. It's like that's a risk. That is yeah. a huge, huge risk mm. to say that. Well, he could be fit. Yeah. Surely you don't take him if he's not fit for the first game. No. In England, have an, an array of centre halves, and I don't know. Did you watch the Austria game? No. Um, I, I, I didn't either I've only seen that incident with Tyrone Mings where he whoever the Austrian forward is he's absolutely tonked at floor off the ball um, and looking in behind Maguire Tyrone yeah. Mings doesn't fill me with confidence Conor Cody yeah. does but he won't get looked at I, I was thinking if Maguire doesn't get in I probably would go with Conor Cody I agree but also you never know Like he might play three at the back and use Kyle Walker as like an outside centre half as well. Well, you look at Reese James. That's what yeah. Reese James did. Well, I know against Leicester in the in the FA Cup final, he was. I don't think Reese James' initial was to play that well. I think it was just to stipulate Jamie Vardy's pace. Yeah. But he ended up having a fantastic game against Leicester. I thought I thought he was superb against Man City in Champions League final. I agree, absolutely. And I, and I'd and I'd prefer that because, like I've said quite a few times before, when England played Croatia the first time round in the World Cup semi final. The mistake mm. was already made mm. with the team selection. The players on the mm. pitch were fine. It was the formation that fucked England yeah. over. Like, not going up against Modric and Perisic in that midfield with a five was just ridiculous. Yeah. And they... what? Well, yeah, I know it was euphoria when Trippier put that free kick into the top bin. But yeah. after that, Croatia took control. Um, and probably against... And, and, and probably... is. I think with the Reese James selection, we'll get to the four right backs in a second. Or well, now three, 
Um, yeah, one pulled out. Uh, with Trent obviously being unfit, then fit, yeah. then now not fit. I think Reese James is. He's, he, he's, he would he, be my choice. Yeah, he's, he's definitely an option. Yeah, I agree. After the season he's had, if Gareth Southgate does what he says and picks players based on form, then he's got yeah. to. He's, he's, he's got to play. He's not in my team to start. However, he my form is. To be fair. I will hold my hands up. I've not watched La Liga, so I don't know if Trippier's had the season of his life or not. He's, he's, he's played all right. Um, he's obviously Atleti have won the league. Um, mm. Just they nearly fucked it up. I mean, he's, a he's, won, he's won a trophy at Atletico. <laughs> he has. He has. He was he like, left first for a trophy. Yeah, that's it. Um, yeah. Um, he's, yeah. He's, had a, he's had a fairly good season there. A strangely mm. competitive La Liga for a change. Strangely competitive. Mm. Um, I think Trippier would is is another excellent is another excellent shout. Um, obviously now to now right back or wing back, so could play as a five, maybe as a four. Good um, set piece taker as well, and a good set piece taker. So he's always, especially when England gets to that latter stages, that the phenomenon at the moment, even though Man United didn't use it in the Europa League final, was to get a penalty taker on it, like use your last sub, and bring it either subby keeper off and bring someone who can. Take a penalty on in case he gets that far, or bring a penalty taker on and take one that's never going to take one off. And Kieran yeah. Trippier is that, um, because if England are going to be successful, they're going to have to be prepared to go the distance in yeah. the latter stages. Um, and as far as I'm concerned, they are the fittest nation in mm. regards to athleticism in that yeah. in that championship by by some distance as well. I think. Yeah, you look at France and they're an excellent technical side, but over 120 minutes, I think England would out outrun them and last longer than than the French and probably the the Portuguese and the Spaniards as well. So, again, I've said this once already. I don't accuse me of being biased, but if Sam Johnson's getting a call up, mm. why isn't Aaron Ramsdale? I know he was in the provisional 30, however many 33, but Aaron Ramsdale has had an, a phenomenal season. Yeah. And so is Sam Johnson, to be fair. But if he's in the question and he's getting a call up, I don't, I, I don't quite, don't quite understand why he's not as close as I he guess, is. I guess if Nick Pope was fit, he, he'd have got in. No problem. No, I, I, that, that I wouldn't even pose that question. If Nick Pope was fit, he'd be my starting goalkeeper. Yeah, he'd, he'd have probably started for me as well. Um, and it, it probably was a, a toss up between him and Ramsdale. Like toss a coin, whoever head to tails, whatever lands on your going kind of thing. Yeah, I do, I do rate Sam Johnson as a goalkeeper, but West Brom and us are in the exact same situation. Both got English, oh both got English goalkeepers in in between the sticks, and both of them have been relegated. Yeah, but I, I'm 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 obviously being a little bit putting my blaze cap on, but from watching Aaron Ramsdale pretty much every single week, he's been absolutely brilliant all season long with Trent. Pulling out, I don't know if he's actually going to replace him with anyone in particular. He might. I don't know if there's a deadline. Uh, well, no, because you've got usually it's a twenty-three man squad, mm. but because of COVID, it's yeah. now a twenty-six man squad. The quick turnaround as well, especially for the for England having three yeah. out of the four European uh, European finals teams playing our English clubs with Man United, Chelsea, and Man City. So yeah. it, it it does benefit England. I don't know because it's now a twenty-five man squad. Spain only named a twenty-three man squad. Yeah, 
Um, and for the first time ever, no Real Madrid players. But we'll get to that later. So I'm not. I'm not too sure whether they, there is going to be a replacement. But you've got the three right backs, um, and obviously Reece James can be an auxiliary centre half. What What about these four slash three right backs? Like is uh, I've I've seen a lot. It's like is that Gareth Southgate not showing enough backbone? Or it probably is that. But I I don't know if it was true or not. But he was considering maybe using Alexander Arnold as a midfielder as well. And obviously Walker could be a standing centre half if he plays three at the back. Yeah, I I agree with that. I actually, yeah. but that's but for me, what like growing up watching Germany. Mm. Two of like my my favorite ever Germany player from the generation I grew up is Philip Lahm. Yeah. And Philip Lahm was a right back that went into centre midfield. Yeah. Joshua Kimmich is a right back that's moved into centre midfield for both yeah. club at Bayern and for country. So it can be done. I can see the philosophy behind it. I just think four's unnecessary. Yeah. If especially when you leave players like Jesse Lingard at home. Great second half of the season with West Ham. He had a decent World Cup as well, I thought. Yeah, uh, yeah. He's, he's, he's if you'd have said at the start of the season, Jesse Lingard's going to be an England team at mm. the end of this season in, in August, you'd have told me to fuck off. Yeah. Because he'd not played for Man United for so long, he was bang out of yeah. form, he was more bothered about his Instagram or whatever he was doing online. Yeah. But then he went on loan to West Ham and he just... He got blossomed. Again. He yeah. blossomed. I like Ollie Watkins. Yeah, right. I rate Ollie Watkins, but I'm glad he's not going. I don't think he's quite, maybe not quite ready for it. Correct, absolutely agree. I'd like to see him in the next in the World Cup squad for Qatar, but yeah, obviously that's he's still learning. He's, yeah. he's still he's still young, very very young. I know you've obviously got players like Jude Bellingham in the squad, but Jude Bellingham's been playing at the at, at top top club in Europe. For me, Ollie Watkins lacks. A little bit, he's he's finishing. I can't question. It's his link up play that I can question. And mm. a lad we do at Blades podcast with Callum, he mentioned this when we when we did the Villa preview ages ago. Um, mm. That he only makes straight line runs. Yeah, he literally just runs in a straight line, left, right, and forward and back. So yeah. he's, it's like running in squares, and I never noticed it. And every time I watch Ollie Watkins, I see if he actually just still does straight runs, and he does. You can't unsee it now. <laughs> and I can't, No, I can't. Yeah. But it's a, it's a fantastic observation. It is, it's so very true. And I think if Ollie Watkins becomes a little bit more dynamic as a centre-forward, I really yeah. do think once he could be the, the second in command behind yeah. behind Kane um, because he's, he's class. Yeah. As much as I think he brings something to England, uh, I don't think he was quite ready. And there's probably a lot of players ahead of him that are probably more favoured anyway, like Foden, Mount. Grealish. Grealish. I don't know about you, Ben. Who's your first name on your team sheet? Well, it'll be Harry Kane because he's the captain and he's best, our best striker by a mile. Yeah. But I... If he's fit, Grealish is in there as well. Correct. I absolutely spot on agree. Absolutely. You know what, do you know who I really like as well? I actually do really like Mason Mount. Yeah, At first absolutely. I was like, I don't know about him. No. Do you know what? Under Tuchel, I think he's been brilliant. He, I think he's been he was brilliant in the Lampard as well. Yeah. Gareth Southgate likes him as well. So he's going to he's gonna play regardless. He's got he, For me, he's got everything. 
Him yeah. and Phil, him and Phil Foden have got everything. You you could probably compare them, and I think at the moment, I think they they're very very similar. They are very very similar, um, and I'm not sure if they could probably play in the same team. I do have yeah. a feeling that Gareth Southgate will probably either pick one or one or two, yeah. unless you put Mason Mount as a six and play Foden as a ten. Uh, that all depends on formation. Mm. But yeah. if you get if you're going on if you're going on the current formation, the yeah. player the player I'd put I, it's interchangeable. I would play Foden in the first game, um, yeah. and I'd have Bellingham knocking on that door. Because... I really don't know. It's it's the attack. It's the attacking midfielders and forwards. Is it really is a, a massive headache? Yeah, because if you if you it, well, if we, if you just play the one striker, then it's Kane or Lover. There's there's nobody else. Like, yeah. There, there is there is I nobody. Mean, and England are going down that Germany route where if you look at the last sort of set of Germany squads that have been announced, there's no out and out centre forward, and we've got to rely on Turbo Timo, who can't score from a yard at the moment, no. to to do it for his country. And he missed a sitter against um, North Macedonia in mm-hmm. in a World Cup qualifier, which mm-hmm. we ended up losing the game. It, it, it's so difficult. Um, but I agree. Apart from Kane. Um, it really is formations, I think. Yeah, I absolutely agree. It's it's so difficult, and and Gareth Southgate has got a forward line headache. I think he's got an headache at both ends of the pitch. Yeah, because he could. I, he could have probably really done with a, yeah. one less right back and one more centre half. Yeah, I think I think that as well, or even I was going to say an extra centre mid, but thinking about it, probably not. Because some of them could drop back, and yeah, I mean Declan Rice can play centre half, but I'd much rather he was in in the middle. I'd I I wouldn't play Declan Rice. I, I I like Declan Rice. Got a mm. uh, a hell of a lot of um, respect for him, but yeah, he's not. If I was an England fan, I, yeah. I wouldn't. I'd be a bit nervous watching him at centre half. Be a bit. Yeah, I think he'd he'd be better in. He's probably going to play anyway. He'll he'll sit in front. Possibly so, but that depends on Jordan Henderson. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I kind of get why he's going. Nah. But does he deserve it? He's been... No. He's, he's a leader, isn't he? But I, I do think someone like James Ward-Prowse will be thinking... What do I have to do? And that's, the pl- do do? and that's the player that I want to bring up because... I know people that absolutely love him. I am one of those. And the people that absolutely loathe him. Mm. Um, a lot of people say, well, he's just there to take free kicks. So fucking what? But he's very good at them. <laughs> so so I mean, what? When he when I, when I saw that Alexander-Arnold was out, I thought, well, if you take away a right-back, why don't you give Ward-Prowse a, a shout? Because he can take free kicks and corners. But the problem is he's got Calvin Phillips, he's got Henderson, Rice... I don't think I think Calvin mm, Phillips will be, what, will be a bit like Theo Walcott was when he was mm. called up. Like he'll be there, but won't get a minute. I don't know. Gareth Southgate has a thing for him. He, do, he, he, <laughs> he, does. he seems to have a thing for him. He does. I mean, I, I haven't really watched Leeds to be fair, but I have watched yeah. a bit of Leeds this year. It's really, it's really, really difficult. It is. Yeah. It's, it's so tough. I don't envy Southgate at all. No, I don't either. No, I do not. <laughs> Um, not at in, least it's not Eddie Booth, right? Oh, not in the slightest. Because, <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, well. But it, 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 it probably pick players like Eric Dyer. So. Well, I'm glad he ain't going fucking... Yeah, liability. Yeah, he's a, for that. It is a liability. But if you're looking at other players in there, like we've not even talked about... If you're looking at the forward-thinking players, hmm. Raheem Sterling is probably not going to play that often because his form has not been great. No, his, 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 his end product is... He's got... But you talk about where end product is good, and you've got mm. Dom Calvert-Lewin as another option. Would it have been worth bringing... If I were him, I'd have been begging Vardy to come out of retirement. Correct. Just different. Yeah, I agree. But obviously, Vardy will think, well, I'm not going to play because Harry Kane's going to play all day. So <laughs> it's not worth it. No. Maybe someone like Rashford, he's, a, he's another option. But he, he's more of a winger nowadays. I think I think Mason Greenwood might not have been a bad shout in the end. Well, he's like, yeah, but he's injured. He's injured. That's it. And this is probably where you go back to Ollie Watkins and think would would he have been a bad option to bring anyway? Like, because out and out, if you're looking at out and out strikers, yeah. there's two on that list, yeah. and that's Dom Carvet Lewin and Harry Kane. Yeah. You look at all the other forward thinking players. You've got Phil Foden. Jack Grealish, Marcus Jaden Rashford, Jaden Sancho, and Boyaka mm. Saka. I so, mean, you never know. Saka might be a, you know, like Rooney all those years ago, like break out and he's just an absolute monster. Yeah, you just don't know, do you? I mean, I don't think Saka will play anyway. I'd like to see him play. Personally, yeah. I'd like to see him play because I think he's excellent. Yeah. Going, going forward, but... What he has, yes, he has good delivery in the in the forward areas of the pitch, but he's really good at defending. He's, he's a, his spatial awareness is re- for a young player, and mm. Arsenal have been garbage this year, but yeah. he's, he stood out for me. He's, he has, he's probably he, been their only shining light. I'm going to probably... One player I always hear Arsenal fans talk about uh, often is Nicola Pepe. Mm. And every time I've watched Arsenal play, whether it be against us, or mm. he's been he's been world class, been brilliant. So it's seven million money. So well, it's seventy. God you'd knows expect him to be that good, but he always scores against us. Mm. Every game he's played for him against us. But this this how old Saka is he? 18? 18, 19, something like I mean, that. He's a young, he's a child, pretty much in terms of football. Yeah, he's, he's he's probably got what three Euros, three World Cups in him. Yeah. After this, so I think in future he could be somewhere else. Absolutely. Yeah, and we, and we mentioned that I mentioned about Ryan Gravenberg early, and he mm. could be not an England equivalent as such because Gravenberg is one of his own at the moment. He has potential. Him, him, and, him and Bellingham could be pretty solid in the years to come. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I'm going to put. I'm and gonna and put, Foden I'm, as well. Yeah, I'm going to put this out there that Gravenberg has the potential to be the best player in the world at some mm. point later on, maybe six, seven years down the line. Because obviously, Erling Brown Haaland is. Yes, he's very good, but consistently he won't be playing at World Cups or European Championships every single time with Norway. So, yeah. whereas Gravenberg is probably going to play because the Dutch pretty much every time do qualify. Yeah. Um, I think they've only qualified not, but it's the same, similar sort of run to what England have had when they didn't qualify for um, Austria, Switzerland in 2012, that Euros or whenever yeah. that was, or a bit before that. Um, well, since we mentioned about other other countries, there are a lot of tasty countries within um, mm. w- within the European Championships. Who 
who ideally are the, the main threats country-wise? Do you know, I had this conversation with a lad at work and I thought, is there actually a standout country this time? Like, could you literally put your finger on one country and think, they've got it in the bag? Yes. I know you will. <laughs> but no. I was thinking, well, the, the, is the France, is your Portugal's, yeah. the Belgium's, and well, if Germany turn up, no, that'd be not, handy for them. Not, not even, not even a question. Not even a question. I, I, I don't think. Well, let's 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 start in Group F. Let's start in Group F. Let's let's get the 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 cat out of the bag. I've heard people say that England's group is not particularly friendly, but Group F is disgusting. So yeah. Group F, for anybody that doesn't know, is France, Germany, Portugal, and Hungary. Um, obviously defending European champions in Portugal, the yeah. defending World Cup champions in France, yeah. a up and coming country in Hungary, and then obviously a sleeping giant that is Germany. Yeah. Um, my um, my obvious standout country is France by yeah. by by some stretch. Like you, you look at some of their players that yeah. they can field, and they could probably send three teams out and still get to a quarter final, maybe even around a sixteen. Well, I, I don't know if you've done the like European Euro twenty twenty predictor. I did actually have France to win it anyway, but I did look. At, I did look at other countries and think they could, you know, pull some off. But sort of going for the easy option, I did go with France in the end. Yeah, I I I, I would say going for France is the easy option. So it's much just, talent in that team. It, it's just so much talent. I I could literally like off the top of my head now. Like you think of some of their players, and you could you could literally get pieces of paper and just write different teams with eleven different players. Yeah. You've got like Jules Koyunde is going to go, who's had a phenomenal season at Sevilla. You've got yeah. Eduardo Camavinga, who's probably going to play. You've got Personal Kim Kimpembe. You've got Rabiot. You've got Mike Menigan, who is just signed for AC Milan. Yasan yeah. um, Benyeda, Umtiti. Oh God, it's just it, the list is just absolutely endless. Yep. And half of these players probably haven't even gone. I've not. I must admit, I've not looked at who France have brought up, but the Deschamps has has got a right job on his hands with, yeah, uh, with, with with who who is who is going. But are France a serious threat? Yes, they should be. But who would you who do you think would be next to challenge France after that? Like, who do you think would? be the one to push France all the way. I hate to say this. I hate to say it. The only other team that comes into that pushing question, there's two countries mm. and they're both in the same group. Yeah. That's England and Croatia. Yeah. For me, I, for me, I actually have my eyes on someone else, but I do think England do have the potential to do it, but it's England. The DNA is the DNA is always there. You Croatia. I, I I'll be honest. I've not really followed them since the World Cup semi final. But are they pretty much the same team, or have they got better? Um, it's I really very, my research, but it's it's yeah. it's very it's very very similar. I don't know yeah. it. I don't know it back to front. Um, but. The, the difference is that Mario Mandzukic and Ivan Rakitic have both now retired from international football. Mm. 
But Ivan Perisic and Luka Modric are still there. Yeah. Marcel Brozovic, he's quite a good midfielder. Yeah. Well. Definitely, if you're looking at Croatia's threats, it's their midfield. Yeah. But they've, they've got, got one of the best midfielders in the tournament. Yeah, but 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 they've got they've got so many good players as well, good young players mm-hmm. like like Gavardio. He's he's excellent. I, I I just like the way Croatia play. They don't play the prettiest football, but it is effective. Well, it was like that in the semi final. They weren't particularly that midfield. Just had us on toes. I look. I'm looking at one of the squads now, and this is the other squad that I think are dangerous to look out for. And it is the Portugal team. I mean, they've got Anthony Lopez, Rui Patricio, Rui Silva in goal. Uh, uh, they've got some good keepers already. Yeah. I mean, I'd bloody have any of them three in ours. <laughs> I swear Rui Patricio is about 900 now. He must have been playing football since he's, we were near to keeper, though. Fantastic goalkeeper. I yeah. mean, they've got defenders, they've got Cancelo, Diaz, they've still got Jose Font. <laughs> is, it, is it Braga? Is it Lille? Oh, is it Lille? Oh, they just won the league. They just won the league. Won the league, yeah. Uh, there's Mendes from Sporting, Pepe from Porto. I've noticed there's a lot of Wolves players here. <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> of course. Tomato. Yeah. The the midfield's quite good, I think. I mean, they've got Carvalho from Betis. Yeah. Danilo from PSG. Yeah. Bruno Fernandes. Guedes from Valencia. Moutinho, he's, he's getting on, but he's still... He can still pass the ball. Oh, that's frightening. And then what? Obviously, you've got Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah, they've got Ruben Neves, Renato Sanchez, Bernardo Silva. Oh. Like, they've got a very good midfield of Portugal. Oh. And forwards, they've got Yao Felix, Jota, Ronaldo, Andre Silva, Rafa Silva from Benfica. He's had a good season, I, he has. They've got, obviously, they've got Ronaldo. He's the main man. They've got some good young young attackers as well. Yeah. So I do think Portugal are a one team to look out for as well. Yeah, but the team I really want to look at and that I am really looking forward to seeing again is the Azuri, is the Italians. Yeah. Um, and Roberto Mancini has has made some very bold decisions. Yeah. In regards to this team, but if you look at their team, you've got Jean Jean got Gigi Donnarumma at AC Milan. Uh, Mere at Napoli, and then you've got Salvatore Sirigu at Torino, which is a, yeah. a three solid goalkeepers. Then you've got a Serbia at Lazio, a Bastoni at Inter, just won the league, Benucci, Chiellini, both at Juve, Di Lorenzo at Napoli, Ed Emerson at Chelsea, who is a bit of a bizarre one for me, he's not really played, um, Florenzi at PSG, Espinazola at Roma, and then Tolai at Atlanta. Then mm. and then the midfield is Barella, Cristante, Jorginho, uh, Locaretti, Pellegrini, um, Senzi, Verratti. If he's fit, that's the problem with Verratti. If he's fit, there's a massive hole. Well, but then it's, solid it, it's a solid midfield. But it's the forwards that scare me. Mm. It, this is frightening. Belotti, Berardi, Bernadeschi, Shaysia, Immobile, Insigne, and then that Raspadori who's been at Sassuolo. He's the only. I feel he's one of the only uncapped players. Mm. Um, and they've got, I wouldn't say Italy have got an easy group, but they do have, they they are favourites to win that group with Switzerland, Turkey and Wales. Yeah. Probably the three below, I think it'd be t- probably Italy win it outright and then it'd be the toss up between the other three. Because mm. the Swiss are quite good, depends who turns up. The Turks have had a great year. Yeah. In regards to international football. 
I think they beat Croatia. And I don't think they just beat them. I think they gave them a bit of a tonking. I think they beat Belgium as well. And Wales are... We know what they're like at international tournaments. Mm. So... There, there are some um, interesting interesting sides. But the country I want to talk to you about, and you can look at this now from the outside looking in, is is the Germans. Right. What... I don't from, know the squad. From your, from, well, do you want me to read you out the squad? Would, yeah. that, make, would that make it easier? Let It'd me read you. To that, know what, this, what the players are. So the 26 for Germany are Neuer, yeah. Leno, Trapp and the goalkeepers. Mm, yeah. Not the best, but I can I'm, go with it. I'm not... Mm, not confident. Not no. confident. So um, the defenders um, are Rudiger, Halstenberg, Ginter, Hummels, Sula, Klosterman, Gusens, Robin Koch and uh, Gunther. And a mixture between uh, the midfield and the forwards, as we always do it. Uh, Kimmich, Havertz, Kroos, Folland, Gnabry, Werner, Hoffman, Musiala, Neuhaus, Goetzeke, Sane, Gundogan, Kahn and Müller. Mm. That's the 26. Can that team do anything? It'll do better than it did in the Russian World Cup, I think. I think anything's better than that, surely. Well, well, yeah. You can't get any worse, can you? I think with the a lot, there are quite a lot of young players in there. He, he can score goals, and I don't know yeah. how he doesn't score goals at Chelsea. He gets them put on a plate from all angles. <laughs> I, I, I guess it's one of those where it just <laughs> it just won't go in for him. Surely, at some point, he has to the the. the it has to break at some point. Oh, absolutely. If he keeps getting a million chances, he's, he's going to start taking them and taking them. But the thing is, though, like, it seems to be the problem with German strikers. It's like, they need, they, like you just said, they need a million chances, but they've all become false nines. Mm. Like, they've like they've all become Bobby Firmino's of their, their equivalent. Like, apart from Miller's like, they're not goal scorers. Like, Apart from Miroslav Klose, in my time, and to an extent Lukas Podolski, we haven't had a goal scorer. Really? Yeah, they're all like advanced midfielders, yeah, if anything. So, exactly, and that seems to be why the squad's always been slammed together with the, the midfield and the forwards put together because they just seem to play all together. Serge Gnabry is not a centre forward, he's a winger. Yes, can score goals. I have yeah. no con- I have no concerns with, with our midfield. It's, it's, it's it, the, the two ends of the pitch. That bother mm. me, really do bother me, in regards to Antonio mm. Rudiger is a fantastic centre half. He's he's done. He's had a quite good season with Chelsea, I think. He's like Harry Maguire. He's got a mistake in him, mm. and coming up against, I... it's we've got to play France. Yeah. And Kylian Mbappe frightens the living gonads out of me. Anyway, he's gonna. I'll be honest. Looking at that defence, I'm not overly convinced by it. I'm not particularly convinced by the goalkeepers. No, I, do sh- think, I do think they might get bullied by by them a little bit. I, I honestly I honestly hand on heart and I hope I'm wrong that I don't think we'll even get out of the group. I'm I'm really, really Well isn't it third in the like a third place thing where if you're the best out of all the third place teams you can go through anyway? Christ knows. Oh, absolutely That's no probably one. what you'll get anyway. I'll, I'll depends on if you beat Hungary. Well, then... you know, as far as I see, we've got to beat 
we've got to get two wins. Yeah, you got to win so, two games. We've got to win two games to even have a have a chance of coming even top. So say beat Hungary and beat France, which our record against the French isn't too bad. Mm. I can't remember the last time off the head we played Portugal. Um, I think we might have played them in a friendly a few years ago. But I'd much rather... I don't know who I'd, who I'd rather not face, the defending World Cup champions or the defending European champions. I'd rather play Portugal, I think. But but Portugal have a knack of playing shite yeah. and winning games. Bear yeah. in mind, when they actually won the European Championships, they did not win one game in 90 minutes. No, I do remember that. The, the, every single round they went to extra it, time. It, it, it was really annoying because like, you don't really deserve it. But it if it works, it works. I, I really do think the winner is going to come out of that group. Are there, going on to sort of, we'll get to the predictions, are there any other teams that sort of stand out to you? Maybe not as a standout as in like the forefront of your mind, but as a, maybe as an underdog or a team we should look out for? I don't know if there's a team we should necessarily look out for. I mean, I know Belgium have got some good players in their team, but... I've just looked at their squad. It's not as strong as you'd expect. No. I mean, I know it depends if De Bruyne is fit or not. I mean, I know teams like Russia and um, Denmark and Switzerland can they can hurt teams as well. I guess Czech Republic they they could as well. Yeah, they could. These teams can hurt each other. Yeah. I mean, the Austria squad's not terrible. I don't think. No. No, I don't think it's it. I don't think there's a terrible squad in there. But my, if I was going to pick an underdog, well, I'm going to pick two actually. I've got, I've just got one in mind. Yeah, carry on. I've, I've got two. One of them is probably going. They're probably going to go home in the group stages. But it'd be interesting to see how they adapt. Mm. And the other one is a team I just enjoy watching. Mm. So the team I enjoy watching is Poland. They're having Robert Lewandowski. Yes, he's not the best on the international stage, but they're just generally good all over the pitch. Mm. Um, and having quite a few players that we've seen quite a lot of, like Jakob Mudder at Brighton, Klitsch at Leeds, that uh, Helek at Barnsley, and obviously Fabianski and Wojciech Chesney at Juve in West Ham. But the team I'm interested to watch the most is North Macedonia. Oh, really? Um, it's a team that obviously sort of exploded in regards to, yes, they, they always have been a country in Macedonia, but have never really qualified for a tournament. No. And I'm looking at their squad now, and there's some very, very, very good players in here. Mm. Very, very, very good players. And I'd be interested to see how they get on and see. I don't know whose group they're in, and to see if they can not even just get out, but just to compete. And they have beaten Germany in the, well, about three months ago, uh, two or three months ago in the World Cup qualifiers. So they'll definitely be an interesting watch. But what about you, Ben? What about the sort of like teams to watch out for or an underdog? I, I, I was looking now at. I think Turkey got not a bad squad either. I think all teams, all teams apart, there might be one or two. I've got, I've got Finland in my sweepstakes, so they're going to lose every game. <laughs> Timu Pookie, what are you on about? I do think they're all quite good teams in there. I mean, I can understand why you're excited a little bit because it's just going to be good football. There's some good squads in there. We can take the piss as much as we want, but Scotland deserve to be there on right. Mm. Yeah, they went through two penalty shootouts, but you have to win the games. 
Yeah. But Matai win him, yeah, they beat Serbia, a very, very good European side, and Israel as well. Um, I think Turkey might do all right, you know. Right, before we get on back to England, yeah. who for you is winning it? I think it is going to be France. You think? Yeah, France. I'm going to throw a curveball in there. I, I would typically say France as well. But there's one country we have not spoken about that could be very, 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 very close. And, that, and that is the Dutch. Oh, yeah. Not even touch the Dutch. Spain are out of it for me. No, I, I don't think they're going anywhere. Right. Not for, for me personally. Very good side. But Spain, they've got, they've got their own internal issues. Actually, actually, I'm just looking at Spain's squad. The, they don't have the best attack. So. No. Well, it's not mm. even just that. This is the first ever time. Uh, they've got Luis Enrique in charge, who was at Barcelona. Mm. And he's picked no mm. Real Madrid players. So Sergio Ramos is not even in there. As much as I don't like Sergio Ramos, he's like up there for the probably the top ten centre halves in the world. But we haven't looked at the Dutch. I think that I think the Dutch could. They're quite could a young the, team. Aren't young, young, for me, they're the underdogs out of the could bigger he, nations. Is Van Dijk fit? He won't be fit, will he? Surely. I don't man. don't think so. No, don't think so. That I think if the, he'd have been fit. I'd, I'd probably think I think that'd have made a difference. Uh, yes, yeah, Simmons will hit at the back. Jeez, exactly. That, <laughs> that's probably the dream defensive partnership. Possibly so. I think I think everybody will hype France up to such an extent mm. that the Dutch might just walk in behind and mm. and and go. You got Joel Velman in the Dutch yeah. squad. He'll he might play Nathan Ake. Not play that much at Man City. It, it, it's, it's, the, it's the front lot that get me absolutely frightening I might after this go and stick some money on Holland winning it um, <laughs> just as just an outsider that's, that for me is my underdog I think France yeah. will win it yeah but as a as a, an underdog mm. um, I think the Dutch might surprise a few we've been if, used to them not really been in been in around that much nowadays and that's yeah probably, yeah They've cut. They come in waves. They're obviously not got the that golden team anymore, have they? The like the the Robins Robin, and the Van Persies and that, um, the Wesley Snyders. But I, I think they're, they'll be a force to be reckoned with. They they, they could be there or thereabouts. So you think France? What about? Have you got an underdog who you think might surprise a few? I do think Turkey will surprise a few. Where do you think England will will get to? I think well, we'll get out of the group. I think. I reckon we'll probably top the group. It's, I think it's a toss of a coin between us and Croatia for the, the group, to be honest. What about for England? Whoever wins that game is going to top the group, even if it's a draw. I don't know. But even even if they draw, Czech Republic might think, oh, hang on, we might have a little chance here. You never know. This, they, they can be decent sometimes, can't they? Yeah, I know. Did, um, didn't um, England spank them in the group? I think we're, they were yeah. Weren't they in the same group? Uh, yeah, I think they lost in Prague, didn't they? And then they beat him. But I think they were, they were through already, weren't they? I think so. Yeah, they've been. So I think they... they've been qualified for like two years, not the England for this. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think obviously Croatia and England will go through. Yeah. Um, I don't know how like the tournament tree has worked out in the end. Like, if if England were to like shit out second place just to get an easy running, like they did in Russia. <laughs> I don't. I really don't know, but. On, if I'm going like realistic targets, probably a semi-final. Compared to it's what probably mean. what we expect anyway. Is that then for you a minimum expectation to get to a semi-final? It probably depends on how the draw falls, but 
I'd say so, yeah. I mean, if we if we if we were to get to the final, wow! But depending on how it falls, like you never know. We if we top the group and end up playing Portugal, a, <laughs> then so we a, could be a, out straight away. So let's have a look at the tournament tree. Let's see if it's actually put up. Would that not be a, a an underachievement? So if it, if England finish first in the group yeah. on the twenty ninth of June, they will play two F. So that's either that's from your group. Yeah. <laughs> so they could be France, Portugal, or Germany. Yeah. I, so they could I'm, be France straight away. Yeah. So they'll avoid France. I think. I think France will. Top no, the France group. will win. It'll be between you and. Portugal. It, it could be Portugal. Yeah, it could be at that point. So it it probably will be Portugal. That's just me being a pessimist. I. I think we could beat Portugal. Well, I think Ronaldo would probably bully John Stones and Maguire. <laughs> I think the two, the defence of Diaz and Cancelo and them lot, they'll be quite solid. I, I think I'd rather play Germany, to be honest. I, I, I would. I bloody would. Um... And this time we might actually beat Germany. So, so really, it's not as kind to us as it was in Russia. No. But if, if are England in Group C? Is it D? Oh, Group D, Group D. So if you if you finish runners up, mm. you'll play the runners up in Group E. Realistically, that's probably where you want to finish, ideally. Yeah, so probably deliberately lose to Croatia. <laughs> oh. Where have we heard that before? Group E is Spain, Sweden, Poland, and Slovakia. So it's probably a toss up between Sweden and Poland. Who are the runners up in that group? I so, think we I think we could beat any of them. So uh, yeah. I agree. If Spain are going to win the group, for instance, um, that's yeah. just obviously it's not guaranteed. Not not not, not not guaranteed. No, but um, but it's definitely better. It's probably better than playing Germany or Portugal. Yeah. I'm not even going to discount Hungary out of that. <laughs> who who, 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 who fucking knows? Who, who has any idea? But that's what it's looking like. Yeah. So yeah, game one would be the runners up in Group A against runners up in Group B. Then Group A winners against Group C winners. So, Group C, yeah, Group C winners will play third place from Group D, E, or F. Mm. And then Group B winners will play third place of Group A, D, E, and F. In the honest oh. one, deliberately finishing third. We're just about doing enough. My head hurts after that. Group D runners up, which is England's group, will play Group E runners up. So, which is, yeah, the group. Group F winners will play third place from Group A, B, or C. Then Group D winners will play runners up of Group F. So mm. yeah, win your group and you'll have the runners up, and that's at Wembley. So mm, when mm. oh England Germany at Wembley on a Tuesday afternoon in the middle of June. Oh God, Ooh, I don't like that. I wish I not looked. Oh, that frightens me. I think I'd rather finish second. <laughs> I'd, I'd, I'd rather just get knocked out. I can't. I can't face playing England again. I hate it. It's the worst. It's the worst. If anybody's ever experienced living in a country and supporting a country you're playing against from the host country, oh my god! <laughs> but our record against England is pretty good in yeah. competitions. I won't bring up Bloemfontein in two thousand and ten, but and yes, before anybody says Lampard's goal was a goal, yes, it was. I know. Eleven um, years ago now. I, can't I don't think anyone cares anymore. I, I I don't. We were a shit team anyway, so. Yeah, that's the be all and end all. Right, before we do conclude and before we do finish, 
Yeah. What is your team for the Croatia game? Well, well it, it kind of depends on. Well, if 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 you want, I'll I'll give you my formation. Mm. <laughs> my formation a bit all over the place. Mine's a five-two-three against yeah. Croatia. So you can either mm. work in that formation or just go with whatever. I reckon it'll it'll probably it'll probably be like a four-two-three-one. Yeah. It it might play two just to just to sort out Croatia's midfield a little bit. Yeah. But what you might even do is like four one sit, then sort of one sort of does a bit of everything. Yeah, and then one in front. Almost of like a four one one three one kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. So I think in goal, I don't. I really don't know who to be in goal. He'll probably go with Pickford because he always goes with Pickford. Yeah, I agree. I would personally go with Henderson, but oh, mistake! Mistakes written all over him. I'd, I'd, I'd probably will go with Pickford. Yeah. Um, if Nick Pope was in, he'd be number one regardless. He'd be number one by a mile. Uh, right back, if obviously a trend's injured, I'm going with Reese James. Okay. If John Stones is he's going to have to play. If Maguire's fit, he'll probably play as well. But if he's not, I would go with Connor Cody. I don't know if Foden or Grealish can play there, but I'd, I'd probably have Grealish in the middle. I might actually put, put Foden out wide a little bit because he can he can play there. But if he don't work, I probably would go with Rashford just to be safe. And then up top, he's he's going to go with Kane. Kane. Yeah. But if he goes. I really don't know. It it really depends on formation. It does. It really does depend on how he wants to that's the key. Yeah, and how he wants to set up. Um I my team's very, very similar to us actually, just a completely different formation. I for the Croatia game have gone five at the back. Mm. Um well three centre halves and two wing backs. So mine um mine would be Pickford between the sticks. And then from right to left I've got Walker at right wing back. James at right centre half, Maguire the mm. middle, left centre half John Stones, and then left wing back Luke Shaw, and then I've got two in the middle, so Declan Rice and Mason Mount. Yeah. And then I've got Foden on the left. Yeah. Grealish on the right, and Kane up top. Mm. For me, for Croatia, that's probably very open. Mm. I might be tempted to go like you said, four at the back, mm. and drop maybe Kyle Walker or Reese James. Move Walker to the right uh, to the right back, drop James, and then probably put another. Move Rice to the four, and have mm. Mount and one other. Probably move Foden next to him, sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so you'd have that could be interchangeable, or you could, if you wanted to, play five in the middle. Yeah. So have Foden, Grealish, Mount, Rice, and then have a sitter or Rice be the sitter, and just yeah. leave Kane, but he might get isolated against. Yeah. Maybe three Croatian centre halves, maybe even two. So it all depends how he wants to set up, but you've definitely got to counter Croatia's threat in the middle of the pitch. Technically, yeah. very good. They won't yeah. do very much running in Croatia, they'll let the ball do the moving. Whereas yeah. England will do a lot of running, and like, like we alluded to earlier, being a very, very fit and athletic side. It, I don't, it really, it's hard to call, but to come to like. Deal with Croatia's midfield. That's probably it. Probably is wise to have Rice and then Mason Mount to 
sort of just in front of him to do a bit of everything, be busy. Sort of to stipulate yeah. the threat. Yeah. Like, if we go forward, he can go and support Kane. What? And come back, he can support Deccan Rice, kind of yeah. box to box kind of thing. Yeah, we de- the England definitely need that athleticism in the middle. Mm. And they've got that in this squad in abundance. Like, mm. you, you think about who you're going to bring off the bench. You've got Jude Bellingham. Yeah, who's gonna run his absolute gonads off? I've I've not even got Jane Sancho in my team. Like, I don't. I, isn't he ill as well? So you might not play anyway. I but. Might not play anyway. But he, England, I think this is the first time where England have got an abundance of options, like all over the front half of the pitch. Mm. Um, and I definitely think against Croatia, it's. Uh, I'll not say it's a must-win game, but it's definitely a game where it's a it's a must-not lose. Yeah. Because I think if England lose that game, the like you like you opened this episode with, the media will get on their back, yeah, quicker than a fly to shit, yeah, and it will be, it'd be like, well, why next? But you've got the hardest game out of the group out of the way. I think this isn't the second game after that Scotland, yeah. So should, should be Scotland. Should be Scotland, but the last two occasions have been near misses. Yeah, I know they were friendlies, and but there's obviously that that natural rivalry, and it being at Wembley as well. And England have got that look behind him mm. in regards to the draws being not just the countries that they're playing, but where they're playing the games. Yeah, if they get to the final, they'll only have to play one game outside of Wembley. Yeah, so they'll play in front of a home crowd. So for the three group games, the only time they'll it'll be the either the round of sixteen or the quarter final, which is either in Rome or Saint Petersburg. Mm. So that could help England. We'll see, won't we? As always, Ben, thank you very, very much. It's okay. And. Uh...